Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is another edition of our Looking at the Landscape series, College Basketball Edition. So Jalen and I picked three teams that we're going to discuss today and see how they're progressing in the college basketball season. So, Jalen, who is one team that you are looking at today? Bro, I, I hate to have to keep harping on them. And, you know, we discussed it a bit last time um, on looking at the landscape. And I, I got to get back into it again because it's getting – the well is getting even more dry, bro. The Kentucky Wildcats are worse than we thought, bro. Just when you thought, just when you had the inkling, that coming off of Richmond, coming off of Kansas, that was around the time that we had discussed a lot of this stuff, mainly mainly the Richmond and Kansas game. Um, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, I think we're also in there. We, I think about one in three when we have the conversation with their one big win coming against Moorhead State. Not, not the biggest staple of anybody's career so far college-wise. Since then... One point loss to Notre Dame, twelve point loss to UNC, three point loss to in-state rival Louisville. Urgh. This is a team that is falling flat on its face and is just trying to throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Devin Askew is proving more and more why he is not the alpha point guard that a John Calipari-led team needs. 12 points against UNC with only three assists. That's not going to get it done. Let's, let's look at an even more high-pressure game. In the loss against Louisville, a, he had seven points and three assists in that game. That's not going to help you either. That's in a rivalry game, in-state rival. Everybody in Kentucky's getting up for that game. Let's put it in a different perspective. Let's go to the Notre Dame game. In this game, three points and one assist against a Notre Dame team that does not have nearly the kind of talent that the, this Kentucky Wildcats team does. I don't know if they have time, if they have troubles starting games. I don't know if their issue is finishing games. I don't know if it's because of the whole issue about having a de facto point card. I don't know if it's because of the fact that BJ Boston may be too cool of a cat to be able to take over a basketball team as an offensive threat, despite the fact that we know he's capable of performances like the one he had against UNC where he went 15 and seven. I don't know what the deal is with this team, I want to blame COVID-related situations in terms of saying that for a team this young, not having, you know, a preseason or not having a lot of early season workout, um, early offseason workout stuff is hurting this team's continuity. Something that John Calipari typically has to rely on is this team getting um, their chemistry right early. This is a team that unfortunately is trying to get their chemistry right on the fly. And it's against some pretty decent opponents. But 
Ryan, I think we can go out on a limb and say it with a lot of confidence. This Kentucky team is not making the NCAA tournament this year at all. And if they do, somebody paid off a voter or two because this team is going to have to go on a scary run and they're entering SEC play in the in the matter of days. Starting with Mississippi State on the second, they got a big run. They see Scottie Pippen Jr. Against, uh, against Vanderbilt later on. Um, that later on next week, Florida, that's coming on pretty strong. Alabama, Auburn may be able to be had. Georgia may be able to be had. LSU with Cam Thomas. Well, I'll talk about him a little bit later. Scary. And, I mean, they even get Texas, Missouri, and Tennessee down the stretch. Talk about starting off February just not feeling the love at all. Like, this is a team that as they enter SEC play, the mix is only going to get worse for them. And unfortunately, Ryan, I might have to go out on a limb and say this too. I think Terrence Clark and, and BJ Boston's draft stock is taking a bit of a hit in the midst of all of this. So it's rough to watch this Wildcast team, dude. Well, I 100% agree with where you're coming from. And this team is struggling right now. You say they're not going to make the tournament. I say they aren't winning more than 15 games. This team is not looking good right now. They have Tennessee down the road with Jaden Springer. The way that Tennessee's been playing, they're a really dangerous team right now. You mentioned Vanderbilt with Scottie Pippen Jr. That's another dangerous team. And then Florida, Alabama, Missouri, Auburn, all good SEC teams. I don't think the road for Kentucky is getting any easier. I will say that right now, Gonzaga is the best team in the country right now. They've proved it with wins over ranked teams like Kansas, West Virginia, Iowa, and Virginia. I think this team has the capability of going undefeated this year. Led by Corey Kispert, who leads the team in 20, with uh, 22 points a game. He's an efficient scorer from the field. He's averaging 63%, as well as from three, where he averages 52%. Jalen, I think it's safe to say that Drew Timmy has filled the role, not only left by Phil Petrusev, but the role as one of the best big men in the entire country. He leads the team in rebounds, and he also averages close to 22 and 8 a game. You're talking about potential lottery picks with B.J. Boxen and Terrence Clark and how their draft stock is falling. Jalen Suggs' draft stock continues to rise. And he's now a potential lottery pick as he averages 15 points a game and leads the team in assists and steals. And then, of course, you have Joel Ajayi who complements Suggs in the backcourt and can pick up the slack if Suggs is struggling. Jalen, this team is going to win their conference, and this team is going to win the NCAA championship. You know, it'd be a lot harder to argue with you if we didn't just see Iowa fall a couple of days ago. That would have maybe made me feel a little bit more comfortable with saying there might be a team that could truly challenge them. But I think the biggest thing is, 
I just look at what they've already done. You you mentioned it. Uh, beat number rank, uh, number three ranked Kansas. Beat West Virginia. Beat Iowa. Um, beat Virginia. Like they got through what would be co- considered murderous row for most other for other teams. Um, not only in their conference, but just in in the entire NCAA. You mean to tell me that going into January, you get Northern Arizona, Dixie State, San Francisco, Santa Clara, Portland? Oh, this will really this will really yank your chain, Pepperdine. Pepperdine, Ryan, you know, this This is one of those things where if a Gonzaga team is out here putting foots on Virginia, dude, Pepperdine's going to have to get this work. You know what I mean? This Gonzaga team right now, 7-0, and like you said beforehand, has went through probably one of the toughest opening starts scheduling-wise that we've seen in a little while, unless maybe you're like in the a- ACC that's typically where they, they tend to t- – um, the ACC Big Ten Conference uh, showdowns and stuff like that tend to make it where the Big Ten and ACC get a lot of big boy matchups early, and maybe that'll be where it is. Also, different things like we didn't get to see much of it this year, but like the Maui Invitational usually is another one that puts a lot of big boy teams against each other early on. Gonzaga did that, been there, done that, and – I mean, like I said, man, talk about getting to start January on the right foot. They got a really good slate of games in a row where the only thing that stops them from going undefeated is them or COVID tests. Really, that's it. Other than that, this team is built. And even with COVID tests, unless their team is really, really hit by it, they have enough top-level talent to the point that there should be no reason why against some of these teams they still can't hang a dub on them because – Corey Kisper, as you mentioned beforehand, I argued that he's a top five player in the country a couple of weeks ago. Drew, Drew Timmy, I think, is the real deal. I think he's in a in a really good spot. Andrew Nimhart, underrated at the guard position because of everything that Jalen Suggs is doing. Joel Ayayi, like, if you go through, they have a handful of guys that you can put the rock in their hand and say, go to work, and they can they can do everything that you need them to do. And we keep talking about Jalen Suggs being a draft option. Corey Kisper and Drew Timmy are in the mix as first-round picks as well. Maybe not in the lottery the way a guy like Jalen Suggs has the upside to be, but Corey Kisper and Drew Timmy are no joke at all. And I think we should stop sleeping on them as draft prospects too. But, hey, man, look, this Gundaga team is going to coast, and the only thing that beats them is them easy so Jalen who is another team that has really stood out to you so far in the college basketball season bro I had to switch the flow from what I let you what 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 we did in the pre-show talking about what kind of teams we were going to discuss and I got to switch to a different team in the Big Ten bro shout out Professor Powers Northwestern at the top of the Big Ten right now murdering it in the Big Ten on the low key too because this is a team that was, you know, given a one in 1,000 chance, I think, to lead the Big Ten sometime this season, from what I saw. And they're quietly getting big boy dubs. Now, they started out the season kind of kind of shaky. You know, I mean, 
Air Pine Bluff, Chicago State, like big wins, but not against anybody that's scary. You get Pittsburgh and you lose by one. It was a really good game too. Lose by one. You bounce back by putting it 100 on Quincy. And then you win by 14 against Michigan State and follow that up with big dubs against Indiana and Northwestern. I think that right. I mean, and um, and Ohio State, who is ranked. Um, that's two ranked teams in the matter of a couple of days. Over the span of six days, they beat two ranked teams and a good Indiana team. Northwestern is on the low-key tip at the top of the standings in the Big Ten. And I don't know how long they're going to be able to handle it. I don't know how long they're going to be able to hold it, especially with the fact that they have Iowa tomorrow. We're recording this on the 28th. So tomorrow on the 29th, they've got um, Iowa as a late-night game. I think that will tell us a lot about just how big of a threat Northwestern is. They've also got a little bit of a murder's row themselves. Um, Definitely the opposite of a team in Gonzaga who's got a little bit of a coast. Northwestern's next five games are Iowa, Michigan, um, Illinois, Ohio State, and then Iowa again. That is a rough five-game stretch that they're going to have to go through. But if they can at least come out of that 500, they're going to start looking more like the real deal by the day. And I think that's something to really take into consideration because Northwestern is not one of those teams that's on anybody's radar coming into a big 10 college basketball season. It's just, I mean, let's just call it, let's just call a spade a spade. And I think we have to put a lot of the, the quote unquote credit player wise, not only to their team play, but the fact that they're in a situation right now with, uh, with Miller cop uh, his name at forward who has done a little bit of everything for this team. And I think he showed off uh, his full complete game in the, the near notch to win over Ohio state, uh, 23, three and two. Um, I mean, talk about pulling out the offensive bag. He put in work against an Ohio State team that's no slouch defensively. So, um, yeah, Northwestern, man. Shout out to Northwestern. Um, leading the Big Ten as probably one of the biggest underdog teams, not only in that conference, but low-key in the nation, basketball-wise for sure. Jalen, I know you, you said that Northwestern is an underdog team. We may need to talk about Michigan as the underdog team because much like Northwestern, Michigan was unranked to begin the season. And much like Northwestern, they've become one of the surprise teams, not only in the Big Ten, but also in the entire country. And mainly it's because of guys like Isaiah Livers. He's averaging 15 right now, 15 points a game close to six rebounds. He leads the team in scoring. Hunter Dickinson averages also 15 points a game and close to eight and a half rebounds. He leads the team in rebounds and blocks with just under two a game. There's also Franz Wagner, who averages 11 and seven a game with just under three, with just under three assists. And he's shooting pretty well from the field right now, close to 52% from the field. And then Shondi Brown, who's shooting 43% from three, is averaging 10 points a game 
for the Wolverines. Jalen, that's four players averaging double digits. And not to mention Eli Brooks, who's also averaging nine points a game, and he leads the team in steals with a steal a game. Jalen, this team meets Northwestern right after they meet Maryland on New Year's Eve. That, I believe that's Sunday on the 3rd. That's going to be a matchup where whoever wins that game could end up winning the Big Ten because Northwestern and Michigan are two of the top teams right now in the Big Ten. And I think that with Michigan kicking off Big Ten play with wins over Penn State and Nebraska, with Dickinson playing up 20 points against Penn State, Wagner put up 20 points against Nebraska. I think I expect that Dickinson and Wagner could be two guys that really step up against teams like Maryland, teams like Northwestern, and teams like Minnesota as a tough stretch for the Wolverines ahead. Yeah, I think you're right. I think people were sleeping on the Wolverines coming in, and it's funny, you know, we're talking about guys like Farrell's Wagner and I think that's what had them come into the season unranked because those are the guys that we're talking about leaning on when once upon a time there was a 100% prediction rate that Josh Christopher was going to commit to Michigan. There was once a point where Isaiah Todd, now part of the G League team, was committed to, to, Michi- to Michigan State, but, was, uh, but Michigan was in play to potentially – uh, for him to potentially sign there as well. I think with the fact that their recruiting class took a bit of a hit with guys like Isaiah Todd choosing Michigan State over Michigan initially before going to the G League, Josh Christopher pulling a full 180 and going to the Pac-12 instead to go to Arizona State, I think that's what hurt them initially in the polls. And I think a lot of people took more of a look at what they missed out on rather than what they were bringing back. There's people who are arguing that uh, Frost Wagner is a first, a late first round, early second round pick right now. Um, and for good reason, based on a lot of the stuff that you named. So I think that they're also in the mix in the Big Ten, too, as a dangerous team that, like you said, might have been a little underrated coming in. And um, both of these teams are going to have a lot to say about who finishes atop the Big Ten. Iowa, obviously, still in the mix. You know my team in the Big Ten is Illinois. Iowa DeSumo and Adam Miller are my guys. But these two teams are going to have a good little imprint on what the Big Ten is going to look like at the end because they're going to be a tough out for a lot of these teams, and they get a lot of these teams in conference play over the next couple of weeks. And I think it's going to be interesting because not only the fact that these two teams, Northwestern and Michigan, are two teams that we could see competing for the Big Ten Championship. But these are two teams that could, we could possibly see again in March. And these are also two teams that we could see making a long run in the NCAA tournament come March. And I think it's going to be guys like Isaiah Livers who carry the load for the Wolverines. I think it's going to be guys like it's going to be guys like Hunter Dickinson who carry the load for the Wolverines. I'm intrigued to see if Michigan steps up and if Michigan performs well against teams like Maryland, Northwestern, and Minnesota. Those are three tough teams regardless of record. And then they end up playing Penn State again, and then Wisconsin, who's ranked in the top 10. So 
I think it's going to be interesting to see how not only Northwestern does, but I'm even more intrigued to see how Michigan does, considering that this team was, much like Northwestern, a surprise team that is now ranked in the top 25. Jalen, what's the third thing that stood out to you so far in the college basketball season? So, man, Cam Thomas of LSU um... – and I'll just I'll just I'll loop this guy in too because I really want to talk about both of them. Cam Thomas of LSU and UConn's James Booknight are easily two of the nation's most dynamic scoring guards, yet nobody is really talking about them. LSU is a team that came in unranked. I mentioned this when we did the AP poll breakdown that LSU going into SEC play, that if they perform at a high level in the SEC. They're going to be a team that easily breaks the AP top 25 within the next couple of weeks. And I still think they're on the table for that. They only have one loss right now. Only one loss on the docket. Granted, it wasn't a great loss. I'll admit. Um, I believe it was to St. Louis. But at the same time, Cam Thomas leads the SEC in scoring right now. 22.8 points per game. He's shooting 44% from, from the field, 86% from the free throw line. Just over 33% from the three, which I think is something that he can improve with shot selection. Um, I think that's something that can definitely take place. But let's let's put this in perspective, man. 25 points against St. Louis. He had 21-point outburst. Um, he said 16, 19, and then most recently 29 against Nicholas State. Now, I don't – I know those are not – all like big name teams. And like I said earlier, the biggest name team we would probably focus on is probably St. Louis. And he did that. He did, he had a 25 point game in a loss, but they're getting into sec action and they play Texas A&M. Who's also five and one tomorrow at 7 PM. So I think that's going to be a good chance for them, for them. And most specifically Cam Thomas to really start trying to put his name on the map as not only a draft prospect, but as one of the top freshmen in the country. And then let's take a look at James Booknight for a second for UConn. 6'5", 190 pounds, averaging 24 points, just under six rebounds a game, shooting a little under 35% from three, 72% from the free throw line, 52% from the floor. And he's averaging nearly two steals per game. I mean, this is crazy. They have they, and they have a really big win, three point win over USC with Evan Mobley. This guy had a forty point outing in an overtime, a two point overtime loss to number nine ranked Creighton. Forty points, Ryan, on fifty four percent shooting from the floor, forty one percent shooting from the three point line, and only three turnovers. In an extended game, mind you, this isn't a game that went into OT. Ryan, these two these two guys are extremely dangerous. Should easily be rising up draft boards. Should easily be in the conversations for play of the year in their respective conferences. Yet nobody is really talking about them a lot. And I think as we get into conference play, these guys' names are going to start to pick up. And I think that their draft stocks are also going to pick up steam as well. And I think it's, it's great that you mentioned both Cam Thomas and James Booknight because of all the reasons that you mentioned. K- 
Cam Thomas is on an LSU team that, like we mentioned earlier, with Kentucky struggling, LSU is a team that can easily come in and win the SEC, especially with guys like Cam Thomas. The other guy you didn't really mention all that much is Javante Smart, the other guard for LSU, who's averaging close to 16 points a game. He's shooting 63% from the field. Javante Smart is a guy who is also a huge part of LSU's offensive success. And then you mentioned James Booknight. He's averaging 24 points a game this season, and he's shooting nearly 50% from the field. James Booknight could end up being a top 20 pick in the NBA draft when it's all said and done, especially with the kind of performances that he's putting up. You mentioned he put up 40 points against a top 10 team in Creighton. He put up 18 and 7 against USC. He put up 20 and 8 in the first game of the season against Central Connecticut. So it's just performances like that that are really going to put guys like Cam Thomas and James Booknight on the map. I want to talk about St. Louis because St. Louis is a team that beat LSU and they really have two of the best players in the country. And this team is not nearly getting talked about as much. They beat LSU and they also beat NC state. And I want to point out two guys, Javante Perkins and Jordan Goodwin. Javante Perkins is nearly averaging 18 points a game. He's shooting nearly 54% from the field and nearly 55% from three. Jordan Goodwin is averaging a double-double this season. Close to 17 points a game, 11 rebounds. He's shooting 48% from the field. And he leads the team in steals with uh, just over two. Jalen, in an Atlantic 10 that was dominated by Dayton last year, I think the door is wide open for a team like St. Louis to come in and win that conference. Now, we also can't forget about another double-digit scorer on this team, Gibson Jimerson, who's averaging 11 points a game, and he's shooting nearly 51% from the field. He's another asset to this St. Louis team that is one of the best offensive teams in the country. And I think that their matchup with VCU in February, that's going to be a primetime game that could ultimately decide who wins the Atlantic 10. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's funny. St. Louis, man, they got a guy in Jordan Goodwin. Like, I'm so glad that when the minute you said St. Louis, you said there's two players in particular that you wanted to list. And I was like, if he doesn't say Jordan Goodwin, he's not looking at this St. Louis Billikens team the way I'm look at him, looking at him right now. I mean, this guy is shooting. I mean, I mean, this guy is shooting 49% from the floor. Like you said, nearly 17 points per game, 11 rebounds. Like, we have to remember that he's doing this at 6'3", bro. Like, this is ridiculous. He's he's trying to Russell Westbrook it out here for the Billikens. And let's also put something else in perspective because this is his senior year. Every year, he's improved 11 points. 11 points in his freshman season, 10.5 points in his, sec- in his sophomore season, a bit of a dip but then shoots up to 15.5 points last season and now is averaging nearly 17 points this year. 
The funny part about all this too is 7.5 rebounds in his first two seasons shoots up to 10.4 rebounds and then 11.1 rebounds this year. I think that is by itself just insane, by the way. Like I said, the fact that he's doing all of this as a 6'3 guard for this team, like you can you can just see that clearly he is trying to play on another level and he is trying to be the driving force of his team. And he quite literally is doing everything. Now, it's ironic that he's thriving more in the rebounding department than the assisting department, considering his position. But that just shows you that he plays big for the 6'3 size that he is. And um, like you said beforehand, I think that VCU matchup is going to mean a lot more for the uh for St. Louis's conference um down the line. I think that's gonna be a big win down the line if they can if they can notch it down. I think the Billikens are a really dangerous team as a lower seed in terms of the tournament in March. Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, who is one team that has stood out to you so far in the college basketball season? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.